Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. We are excited to have a special guest with us. Sammy is uh, away this week, but we have Scott Burbank with us. Some of you guys may know him from the Strength Finders, and um, I'm excited to hear him. I have not heard him for the first time. And uh, he comes to us from Whittier. He hails from Whittier, the beautiful city. And so, uh, Scott, let's welcome him. Hey, everybody. Happy 4th. You sound really busy. Like, um, that was a lot. You're amazing. You're really good at announcements. Yeah, that was nice. Um, how's everyone doing? Good to see you all. So let's go ahead. I wanted to start off with a question. And, and the thing that I'd love to ask is, do you ever wonder what God is like? Do you ever wonder what God is like? I'm going to let that kind of sink for a sec. Because even when we get into that question, that opens up a lot of other questions, doesn't it? Okay, um, what do you think God thinks of you? Um, what do you think God, is there anything he expects of you? Is there anything God commands of you? Um, when you ask the question, what do you think God is like? I'd love to know what comes to your mind. And what I'd love to do just as we open is just ask you just for a few moments, just with the people around you, um, I know you're still thinking of that question and thinking of what your answer would be, but I'd love for you to just begin sharing with the people around you how you might answer that question. Um, and, and before you begin answering, I just want to remind you that God is, is infinite, and so there isn't a particular answer that we're looking for here, all right? So really, we're just looking for truth from you. Like, how do you feel uh, when you hear that question, what is God like? What comes to your mind, all right? So we're not looking for any particular answer, and I'd love for you to just take a little bit of time and discuss that with each other, and then we'll come back together, Cool. All right, anyone feel comfortable enough to just kind of maybe yell back some of the things that you guys discussed? There we go. Then we're done now. Okay, there we go. No, you're right. Yeah, indescribable. 
Now let's try to describe a more, yeah. <laughs> so, so what are some other words that you would use? What was that? Grace. Majesty. Was that loving father? Yes. Faithful. Righteous? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what's that? Salvation. Obsessed with us. That's really, that's cool. What do you mean when you say that? That's like a, that's a really cool way to say it. Yeah, that's really cool. What was that? Popper, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting question, and it was fun to just get to look around and, and see the spirited discussion. And um, really, we could talk about this for eternity. Really, when you think about it. It's, it's interesting when you really stop and think that all of us started out in the world. Um, we, didn't, we didn't know anything except for we just have, you know, kind of our basic, um, we know how to breathe because it's just hardwired into us. Um, we know how to eat, right? That's hardwired into us. Or to drink, right? We know those kind of things. But we're all born, every one of us in this room, we're born as essentially a blank slate. And just think of how much of what you know and think about the world comes from the world you're born into, right? The country that you're born into, the family, the neighborhood that you live in, the school that your parents um, chose to put you in, how many siblings you have, um, what your family's like, what your family believes. So isn't it interesting to think that we all start out from there in this world that is enormous, in this universe that is enormous, and we have to figure things out. So it, it makes, here's what I would say, it, feel, it helps me feel humble it humbles me a lot. It helps me realize I don't know as much as I think I know. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, when you think about it, we're born in this universe that is bigger than we even know. We don't know for sure how big it is. We, we have an idea. Um, we don't know for sure exactly when things began. We, we might have an idea. But it really helps you to kind of get into a question like this and realize that there's so much there that we don't know. And so just know, as we're beginning today, I'm not coming before you to say, um, this is exactly who God is. I want to actually more ask questions. Um, open up some questions to where you can begin to, I don't even want to say begin, you've been having these conversations way before I stepped in here, and you're going to continue having these conversations um, way after I leave. It's, it's really for us to begin thinking or to start thinking about this kind of stuff. And how we relate to God, I think, is important. The way we think about God is important. Um, I was thinking about this. I teach high school. That's what I do, um, kind of my nine to five. I teach high school over in La Habra. Um, and I remember my freshman year, my first year there, I was teaching a digital photography class on campus. And there was this one young man, his name was Shane Golden. And I, my whole perspective, like I was, I hated school when I was in high school I just didn't like it. I loved getting to hang out with friends and getting to go to lunch and that kind of stuff. But I hated having to sit in a classroom and have somebody tell me things the whole time and then I had to take notes. I wanted freedom. Did any of you guys ever feel that way? And I know some of you are like, I love taking notes. Like, that's great. Congratulations. Um, that wasn't me. And so it's funny to me to think that I became a teacher, right? Um, and so when I'm, I was teaching this um, digital photography class, 
One of my desires was to give freedom for students to be able to sometimes during the week leave class and within boundaries, I wanted them to be able to go certain spaces on campus and really start opening their eyes and looking for the beauty that existed on our campus that they would usually walk by. But because they had digital cameras, I wanted them to be walking around um, trying to look for things that they could take pictures of. Now, there was this one young man named Shane Golden And I remember I had set the class free. I gave them very few instructions other than, um, hey, you're not allowed to leave the campus. Um, This is what I'd like for you to be doing. And I remember when I went around, I was walking around just to see how the students were doing. I'm not walking around as like a a warden, a prison guard, trying to look for people to do things um, so that I can get mad at them. That wasn't even on my mind. I'm actually just walking around just to to kind of enjoy what they're doing, to learn with them and to kind of ask them some questions. And this one kid, Shane, who was a great kid, but I remember every time I would come around a corner and I'd see Shane like 100 yards away, he would quickly duck behind whatever wall that was. And I thought, oh, like that's shady. You know, I remember thinking, what's this about? Why, why is he hiding from me? And so I thought, okay, that's fine. I, I walked towards him. Like, I'm, you know, I just want to walk that direction. And when I come around the corner, he's not there. He's another hundred yards away and he sees me and whoop, you know, and, and I'm thinking, what's going on? What do you think it was? Like, why do you think, why do you think that that was the way that he related to me? What do you think? I'm an authority. Any of you ever feel that way? Like a police officer pulls up behind you and you're not doing anything wrong. Um, and it's like, ugh, you know, like, and if a police officer wanted to come talk to you, you're thinking, whoa, what's wrong? What did I do? Right. And that's exactly it. And I remember like spending the entire year with Shane, trying to convince him that I wasn't out to get him. Um, I actually want you to be free. I actually want you to enjoy this. I'm not walking around campus to look for opportunities to strike you down. And he didn't get it. Now he might get it someday, but he didn't get it with me. And it, I'm not comparing myself to God, okay? So first of all, just know that. But just think as small as the authority that I have over him is, just being his freshman digital photography teacher, think of how much bigger that gap in understanding would be between us and the creator of the universe. Um, So just think of if we relate to God or how we relate to God will actually influence how much we even want to know him, how much um, we feel like he loves us, how we, tru- how we actually choose to live day to day. If we think God is that person walking around always looking for just that opportunity to show you what you're doing wrong, well, then how do you think you'll relate to him? If you think of God as a God who loves you selflessly and loves you passionately and is obsessed with... Um, with caring for your needs, how will you relate to him? And so this is going to, I really want to open up this question and just ask you to, to think about what do you think God is like? What do you think God thinks about you? What do you think God um, expects from you, if anything? What does God command you to do, if anything? And so what we're going to do is uh, jump into um, a passage in the scriptures. We're just going to spend a little bit of time there. Um, And it's Luke chapter 15. If you wouldn't mind turning there. And we're really going to ask that question. We're going to look at actually a few different ways that I think are common ways for us to to relate to God. And there are a lot of other ways. 
Um, guys, for a lot of us, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a very religious environment. And I was taught um, really like to control my outward actions because how you looked on the outside, that mattered, right? Um, so if I'm dressed the right way or if I say the right things, then I'm therefore doing the right things. But it, it wasn't really affecting my heart. And so coming into Luke chapter 15, we have a group of people called the Pharisees, all right? And usually when we hear the Pharisees, for many of you who have been in a church for a long time, you're thinking the enemy, right? You're thinking kind of like the Darth Vader music starts every time the Pharisees step up. And there is truth to that, of course. I mean, when you read the the scriptures, there are moments that the Pharisees are wanting to take Jesus down. They're wanting to destroy him, and they eventually do. Um, put him on the cross, or they're partially responsible for that, all right? But here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Let's try to actually see through their eyes and understand where they're coming from, uh, to not think about them necessarily as the enemy, but to try to understand how are they relating to God? Um, What is the God that they worship? If you think right now, look at ISIS, okay? And listen, I know that a lot of what ISIS does, it's done under the banner of religion, but a lot of times that's just something that they tack on, but it's way worse than that. But if you try to get into the mindset of what causes people to do what they do and the way they see God, it, it really helps inform their actions. And so what's happening um, in, in the story that we're getting to, things are ramping up. There's tension ramping up. In the 14th chapter of Luke, uh, Jesus and his disciples um, had, uh, Jesus had healed somebody on the Sabbath. Now, why was that a big deal? Yeah, no work on the Sabbath. When's the Sabbath? Yeah, so for us as Christians, we, we celebrate on Sunday. We think of Sunday as a Sabbath. For Jesus and his disciples, they would have uh, thought of uh, Saturday as the, the Sabbath. It was just a day that they believed that God had set apart, um, and it was a day that was holy. They had even made rules that there were certain things you couldn't do. If an animal fell into a hole, um, you weren't able to, you know, pick up certain things. Like you couldn't help in certain situations because it was considered work. Um, you couldn't pick wheat on the Sabbath because it was considered work. And so Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath and the Pharisees get angry. And, and essentially Jesus asks the question, is it unlawful for me to heal somebody on the Sabbath day? Why do you think this, the, um, the Pharisees got angry with Jesus for healing on the Sabbath? What, why do you think they might have? So what we'll do is like get into your mind, like how do you think they're seeing God and why would it be bad for somebody to heal somebody else on the Sabbath? What do you think? He did. And where did they get this law? Yeah, the law of Moses. What's that? Yeah, the Old Testament. I mean, so think one of the Ten Commandments is honor the Sabbath, right? And so was Jesus wrong for, did he break the law by healing somebody on the Sabbath? It's just something to think about. What's that? So he can break his own laws? Sure, yes. Yeah, let's give him that right. Yes, definitely. So this just brings up the question, these individuals, uh, if you kind of think of the world that you live in, guys, there's a lot for us to fear, right? We have to, we look for ways to control the world that we live in. 
right? So when you get new information that comes in that goes against something that you've believed to be true, it rocks you. Like uh, it shakes you. You don't like it usually. I, I feel that way. It's because I think in our world, we look for opportunities to be comfortable or, or to be secure. And so the Pharisees had set up many, many laws. In the Old Testament, there are 613 laws that govern the way that they're supposed to live. But then they had even gone beyond those 613 and set up laws to prevent themselves from breaking other laws, right? For them, they found security and comfort in being able to follow the exact law uh, down to the, uh, to the dot and to the line, right? They wanted to make sure that, that they could follow that law because they believed that that's what they needed to do for God to love them and to accept them and for them to be a part of the team, right? And so they're angry with Jesus because Jesus comes out and actually um, heals somebody. He's getting to the heart of God, but they don't even see him. They don't even recognize him as God because they're so interested in their rules. Now, it's easy for us to look at them and go, oh, come on, that's like ridiculous. But I think I know I have a lot of Pharisee in me. Um, I think the way that I would say, I think the way that they would, um, kind of their perspective is I would say, they think of it as this, their life is life under God. Now, that's not a bad thing. We are celebrating the 4th of July and we're one nation under God. But here's what I mean when I say that. Life under God means that I'm down here and I have a sovereign who is often, he can be angry at times. And so I have to find a way to make sure I do not upset him. And so to control God, I can actually follow certain rules and procedures and religious ideals. I can structure my life in such a way that I'm on the inside and I'm not going to make God angry with me. Does that make sense? Does that, do you ever feel like that's a way that, that sometimes you posture yourself towards God? I, I know I do. And so what, what you see with the Pharisees often is that they're, at the core, their desire is to honor God, maybe at the purest, but then out their actions, they're missing God in the midst. And so here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to look at 15, just for a moment. Um, we're going to be talking about um, a few parables that Jesus mentions. And here's why I picked this today. Um, when, we, when we read stories in the scriptures about Jesus, Jesus is actually coming to show people what God is like. Jesus even says to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus is actually revealing to them who God is. And there are times where the Pharisees and others around him, when they see Jesus, they don't recognize him. They don't see him as God because their God would never act that way. Um, I know the scriptures say that God created us in his image, but doesn't it seem like sometimes we actually create God in our own image? We create God to be what we want God to be. Often our image that we carry of God um, doesn't have to be an accurate version. It's just our version. And so the thing to ask today is, what do you think God is like? And so in this story, Jesus actually jumps in. He tells a couple of parables and he's speaking primarily to his disciples and to some Pharisees. And so let's just jump in. We're just going to take a few moments and look at these stories. Uh, The first one in Luke chapter 15. Here, I'll go here. Forgive me for using my phone. Um, So here we go. 
It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And then the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So just for a moment, what if what you're seeing here is the way that God would actually act and respond to this group of, in, uh, group of people? And that the Pharisees, they think, well, we're the ones that are on God's team. We're the ones that are on the inside. We've got all the right answers. We've got the right scriptures. We're the ones that have it all figured out. We go to church right when we're supposed to. Even when other people don't, we're doing the right things. We give our money. We do all the right things. And Jesus is in front of them actually conveying the true love of God to people. And they're getting angry with him. And then we'll keep reading. It says, so he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So what he's beginning to do there is just conveying the heart of God. How do you think a Pharisee would have heard this? Like, do you think they would have said, oh, sweet, like, that's great. That's exactly the God I want to worship. Probably not. They probably would have said, no, that isn't the God that I serve. The God I serve has very clear lines of who's in and who's out. And the people you're talking to are clearly out. What have they done to earn God's love? Remember, it's, it's the way that we're positioned as if God is in heaven saying, I, I will love you, but I'll only love you as long as you jump through the hoops I've given you. And when you jump through those hoops well, then we're good. But if you fall, watch out, right? I mean, can you imagine how hard that would be if that's the way you think God thinks to you, thinks about you? How stressful that would be, how painful that would be, how exhausting that would be. And do you think that kind of view of God would cause you to go, man, I love God. You might fear God because of what he can do to you, but are you going to be endeared to a God like that? Now listen, just because we wouldn't be endeared to him doesn't mean that that's not how he is. I'm just throwing out the questions, all right? Then the next parable that Jesus says, we're just going to look at a few of them here. The next parable, it says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I love these stories. I mean, you, can you put yourself in this situation? Have you ever lost something that was valuable to you and actually found it again? So imagine like this, this woman is frantic, running around her home, turning over everything, and she, she's lost something that's dear and valuable to her. And Jesus is telling the story because he's essentially wanting people to relate that God is that person that is seeking after something that is precious to him. Us, you, me, people who uh, he's created and he loves. And then he talks about the idea that when he finds it, there's rejoicing, there's celebration. So he tells these stories um, and he's really trying to drive home a point. 
And what he does when he tells parables is he's asking us to put ourselves in these stories. The last one that I'd like to look at, the last parable, is one that you're familiar with. And what we're going to do, you're welcome to either read along in your scriptures, or I have a video that I'm going to play that walks through the story, but kind of like in a a more like updated version. And I'm just going to read the story as the video goes on. You're welcome to read in your scriptures or um, look up on the screen, whatever you would prefer. This is the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11, 32. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of his two sons said to the father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so the father divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. He took a journey into a far country. And when he was there, he spent everything. He squandered his property in reckless living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine that arose in that country and he became in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the cities of that country and sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. I know it's dark there, but he's eating out of the trash. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I'm here and I'm perishing with hunger. I will rise. I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they begin to celebrate. And now his older brother and the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. And he called one of the servants and he asked him, what's going on? He said to him, your brother's come home. Your father has killed the fattened calf. And because he's received him back safe and sound, but no, he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes home who has devoured your property with prostitutes and you kill the fattened calf for him, and he said to him, son, You were always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. Love the story. And when Jesus told the story, this would have been a story that would have evoked emotion 
And I don't know for you like how it's connecting to you, but when Jesus told this, um, first thing that comes to my mind is we call this story, let me move this actually, it's playing it again. Um, I'll get to that point in a sec. Um, Jesus told the story, we call it the prodigal son, right? That's just the story's name. But when it was originally said, it wasn't like Jesus said, let me tell you the story of the prodigal son. Um, for me, when I read the story, I don't know that the son is actually the central character in the story. Uh, it feels like the father is the one that this story is really about. Uh, so maybe a way to say this is this is the parable of the loving father. And when Jesus tells this parable, imagine there's Pharisees that are there. And, and Jesus is telling the story to tell people, this is what God is like. God is like, imagine there's a father that has two sons. And one of the sons comes and says, I want nothing to do with you. I am done with you. Uh, this would have been something that if you would have heard this at Jesus' time, it would, have, it would have been scandalous. It wouldn't happen. Because essentially what the son is saying to his father is, I would rather you be dead. Um, all I want is your stuff. Give me what's coming to me. I will get out of your hair and we're done. So can you imagine that relationship in itself? Imagine a father and a son having that kind of a broken relationship where it's done. And he goes off. The father, which I think is amazing, the father says, sure, here's your stuff. Which I'm a dad. Um, I, would, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. Like, sure, okay, here you go. Yeah, okay. No way, but he does. He gives him the stuff. He goes off and he squanders it. And then um, I think it's just this beautiful, beautiful story where the son is telling himself over and over again, this is what the father must think of me, right? Um, This is where I now stand with the father. Um, I've screwed up so bad that I no longer belong in his home. I'll just go and work um, as one of his hired servants. Like I don't belong there anymore because of what I've done. And just think of that conversation that our value comes from what we do. Do you ever feel that way that you think I'm less valuable in God's eyes because I'm not going out and like teaching enough people or I'm not reading the scriptures enough or I'm not praying enough or I'm not like these are all the things I'm expected to do so that God will really love me and I'll be good in his eyes. Think of how exhausting that mentality is. So the way that I would say it is it feels like this son, this younger son, he lives in a way that his relation to God is it's life from God. So it's just this idea that, look, um, I don't really want a relationship with you, God. What I just want is your stuff, right? Um, Just give me what's coming to me, all the, like whatever the good stuff is, just give it to me and then I'll get out of your hair. I don't really want a relationship with you, okay? And it's interesting that he goes off and uh, that relationship seems broken. But I just can't imagine, when I think of the story, it's beautiful to think of the father looking up and seeing the son from a distance. And there would be a question. If you're listening to Jesus tell the story, you're going to be wondering, how does this father react? Is the father going to go out and say, oh, I told you so. I mean, we all knew this was going to happen because you're, you're a moron. And we knew. We knew it. And by the way, you took my money. You owe me big time, pal. Um, you're going to work for the rest of your life and we'll pay it off. Sure, you can live in the house, but you're going to pay right? And that would have been appropriate. That really would have actually been justice. But justice didn't happen here, right? The kid didn't get what he deserved. He got the unconditional love of a father who desperately wanted um, to be with him. And I just think, I mean, that just, 
is amazing to me. What if God is like that? What if God isn't so concerned with you jumping through all of the correct hoops to just so that you can prove your devotion to him so that then he can give out the love that you need? What if God is not the one that's actually ever turned his back on you? I mean, in the story, did the father ever turn his back on the prodigal son? No. It was the son that ran. And when the son came back, the father was there to say, everything I have is is yours. You belong here. You've never stopped being my child. And you're not my child because of what you do. And that brings in this last brother, which I think is amazing because to me, the story like naturally would have just ended here, like where it's the hug and, hey, that was a happy ending. That was really good. But we get, we get the story of the older brother. Who do you think the older brother represents? Yeah, maybe the Pharisees. It's possible. I, mean, I don't know because I, I had not gotten to speak with Jesus about this. But I don't know. But it, it seems like if I'm a Pharisee, I'm, I'm able to relate to how he feels. And maybe some of us in here, like we can relate to that too, where we're like, okay, great. Uh, the love fest is really nice, but when is justice going to happen here? Because he's a bad guy in this story. He's doing everything wrong and you're just getting him like, you're not even a slap on the wrist. You're actually killing the fattened calf for this kid. And so I wonder if, if his perspective is kind of an idea of, well, it's life for God. And what that means is essentially my value and my worth comes from what I do for God. My significance is found in doing great things for God. That's where my value and my standing in the kingdom of God comes from is what I do for you, God. And guys, it's, it's easy to get there. It's easy to go, well, um, there are a lot of great things in the world that need to be done. I'm gonna go out and do great things for God. So just know like any of these... Um, aren't wholly bad, but, but I think there's something better. But I think here's what happens here with this brother is he kind of looks at it and he goes, I've been here the whole time. I've actually done all the right things. I'm on the inside. And um, you've never, ever killed a fattened calf for me. He, and he even says, you never even killed like a goat for me, um, which is like a lesser meal. Um, and this son comes home who's squandered your money and you do everything. You bend over backwards. And I love the conversation between the father and the older son. He says, you've always been here. Everything I have is yours. You've always been with me. And that's really what I think Jesus and this story is coming to. And I just, I want to kind of focus more on this. I think this is more like of an appropriate way for us to relate to God. It's not that God exists to give me stuff. Um, that God exists to only be there when I need him, Uh, that it isn't that God only loves me when I do the right things for him. Uh, But what if God's heart towards you and I is, is that he just wants us? Um, It's not about what you can do for him. It's not about who you can impress. It's not about um, how significant you and I can feel by doing all the great things. It's not about um, even just our outward appearance. What if it's just presence? I mean, what if it's true that God is like that father? What if it's true that God loves you 
in spite of the things that you've done or said or thought. And it isn't that, well, you've got to get those things right and then God's going to say, I love you. What if God really loves you because that's who God is? Isn't that good news? I mean, that, that ignites passion. Now, I don't know what's going on inside of your mind, but maybe for some of you, you're kind of going, yeah, but it can't be, it can't be that simple, can it? I'm going to leave that question up for you. I don't know that I can answer that. But do you think that there's anything you and I can do to impress God? Um, That there's one extra thing we can do that makes God go, that, yes. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. I did create the universe, but, you know, what you did was really great. Um, But think of how often we think that way, and we... We even have guilt that we carry with us, shame that we carry with us about how we're not living up to people's expectations and how there's all of this stuff we're not doing and all of these people that, we're, you know, man, I should have gotten together with her this week or I should have said this. And think of how much of our lives can be lived in that oppressive shame and guilt. And what a waste of time that is if really, what if God's like this? What if? What if God's not waiting for you to, you don't even have to change right now. What if it's just, I already love you. What if it's just spending the rest of our lives and eternity coming to terms with that? That the father who designed you loves you and knows you passionately, obsessively, cares about you, and isn't waiting for you to do the next 10 right things so that you can be on the in crowd um, what if? And I just love it. When we, when we see Jesus in the scriptures, when we see Jesus, we're seeing the heart of God. If you wonder, what is God like? Well, the Pharisees were saying, well, he hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. That's good news. And it isn't like God doesn't love the Pharisees too. God loves all of us. And so the question really comes back, what do you think God is like? What do you think God thinks about you? Is it possible that he loves you? Not because of what you've done or what you're going to do or what your last name is or what country you were born in um, or how much money you gave to help somebody in another country? What if he he loves you and in our lives can be centered around this relationship that it's life with God? What if we could just begin to rest in that? I don't think there's a way for me to ever get my mind around this. But I'd love to spend the rest of my life trying. I mean, just sitting and thinking about that and just saying, God, you really do love me and it's not because of who I am. It's because you, you are love. That's good news. And so as we kind of go out, I would just, I would ask you to be thinking about what is the posture that you have towards God? Is it possible that you're living in a story, a narrative in your mind about how you think God thinks about you that might not even be true, but it drives you and it exhausts you and it burns you out. And, and yet you come back to the scriptures where Jesus said, I, I've actually come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. 
or come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He says, my burden is light. Could that really be true? Or are we destined to live a life where we're just keep, we keep on trying to climb a religious ladder of expectation and works and activities, all for our significance to help ourselves feel better or to serve, uh, or I guess I would say to make God happy with us. It seems like maybe we're climbing the wrong wall, you know, and we're playing a game. We think God's playing that game, but he's not keeping score. He's not playing that game. God loves you. But what do you think God is like? Let's uh, close. And, um, and then I'd love if any of you ever want to kind of like just hang out and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, we're welcome to, but let's, uh, we'll go ahead and, and close in prayer. Hey God, uh, I just want to thank you for, for freedom. And I think hearing this, like as I'm reading this and as I'm studying this, I'm just realizing I think I'm free, but I'm, I'm not. Um, I struggle with this just, just as much as anyone. And so can you just help, help me just learn um, that that's the kind of God that you are, that you are that father. And God, I just pray for every single person in this room. I just thank you for them. I thank you for um, the fact that you created them, that you've known every one of us before we ever stepped on this earth and that we get overwhelmed with trying to figure things out and figure you out, but um, you've never turned your back on us. And this journey of asking questions is actually life-giving. God, just help us to rest in knowing that you love us. Uh, set us help set us free from the chains that we place on ourselves. And thank you, God, for freedom. Thank you for the opportunity to live in this country where we get to experience freedom. And I just thank you for, um, for your son, Jesus. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, I hope you have a fantastic fourth. And um, if you want, I'll be hanging out. But if you want, I'd love to talk. If not, no worries. Like, I won't be angry at you. Or, um, have fun. Enjoy your day. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.